Welcome back in, and for another edition of this, uh, it's going to be a kind of a joint podcast here between David Eicholt, HawkeyeInsider.com, uh, and also the Swarmcast. You can check that out uh, wherever you get your podcast. But of course, me, Jeremy Warner, Alana Inquirer publisher, getting you ready for a an interesting matchup of two of the hottest teams in the Big Ten, uh, two teams that have played a couple games and won a couple games here in a row, Iowa on a four-game win streak after losing its first two games of the season. They're now 4-2 and two and number 19 in the college football playoff rankings. And Illinois with back-to-back road wins, uh, and uh, they're hoping to get to 500 after starting their season 0-3. David Eichholm, how are you, man? Good to see you. Yeah, good to see you too, Jeremy. All's well here. As you mentioned, uh, Iowa started off pretty slow, but things have been the beat's interesting to say the least after four straight wins and then uh, Iowa basketball and everybody losing its mind about them being ranked third and more than likely number two by next week because Gonzaga or Baylor, one of them's going to lose. So it uh, things are interesting to say the least. Yeah, I think uh, both our fan bases are fired up about basketball and obviously Iowa and, and Luka Gars off to a great start and, and Illinois got tested and they'll have to learn from it. Uh, a loss to Baylor, but yeah, I think Baylor and Gonzaga, probably the two best teams in the country in Illinois, Iowa are certainly trying to fight to get to that. Um, but what is the reaction so far of this football season? Because 2020 has been an interesting year. I mean, we all know that, but it's been very interesting for Iowa football, given all the you know turmoil in the program, mm-hmm. uh, the racial allegations uh, against uh, the program, uh, and some of the guys, people lost their jobs um, because of it. So they start off 0-2. Uh, David, take me, what was, what was the mood of that program at 0-2 and, and how have they kind of turned it around here? Yeah, you know, I think it was frustration more than anything else. I mean, you look at the first game of the year against Purdue, 100 penalty yards, which is something that's not like Kirk Ferentz, typical teams. Uh, very poor defense. David Bell, who I think is the best wide receiver in the conference, by the way, even better than Rondell Moore. Uh, he absolutely carried that Boilermaker team, had three touchdowns in that game, had a game-winning touchdown. And Iowa just concealed the deal there. But it was, again, a lot of self-inflicted wounds. The defense losing A.J. Epinesa, Geno Stone in that secondary. They were really kind of trying to figure themselves out. And then that next week against Northwestern, 17-0 first quarter lead for Iowa. And then in typical Northwestern fashion, turn it up for the last three quarters. Iowa was held to a field goal. Uh, crucial turnovers. Spencer Petras had three interceptions that game. And Pat Fitzgerald finds a way to win. I picked them to finish last in the, the West this year. And of course they find a way to get things going. Every year we do that. Every year we do that with Northwestern. It's like, Oh, they're going to be bad. They're good. When we think they're going to be good, they're bad. Yep. So, yep. No, definitely. And I, I said this too. I said, going in that third game against Michigan state, I call it the most important game of the Kirk Ferentz tenure. As you mentioned, given everything that happened this summer, they had all the talent. I picked Iowa to win the West. I thought they had a very legitimate shot. To be fair, I thought Spencer Petras would be a little bit more advanced than he is. But the team rallied together, and they put together, they've put together a bunch of complete performances in a row. I think Nebraska, I don't want to say it was a step back. I think Nebraska just showed a lot of improvement bouncing back from that loss to Illinois. And the reality is Nebraska, more than anyone, wants to beat Iowa, I think, in their entire schedule. I've covered, I went to school there. I know that fan base. I know the rivalry. I know Scott Frost. They wanted to beat Iowa. The defense really played better. But, uh, yeah, you know, I think the communication's been just a lot better on defense. Davion Nixon's emerged as, I think, a very legitimate Big Ten defensive player of the year caliber guy. 
And you look up and down the lineup, really no other budding stars on that defense, but just a lot of really solid pieces. So I think it's a combination of the running game going back to typical old school Kirk Ferentz style running the football and the defense just playing sound and special teams. So I think is probably the most complete special teams unit in the Big Ten, kicking wise, return wise and punting wise. I think we all acknowledge our expectations for Iowa were higher than Illinois. Uh, but Illinois had higher expectations coming into the year after making a bowl game last year, and they start 0-3. Uh, of course, COVID played a big impact on that with Brandon Peters uh, being out for three games. They win one of those with Isaiah Williams at Rutgers. Uh, but it was kind of a similar thing um, with this team in that you're at 0-3, you're down 20-10 to at Rutgers, David, and we're thinking – this might be the Lovey Smith era right here. And uh, mm-hmm. that Rutgers game, that turnaround felt like at that point, the most important game of the season because it was the one in front of them, but they win that game. Uh, they come back and win. And then Peters comes back and they play their best game against Nebraska. So I feel like these are two teams playing at their peak. And I think we've seen Iowa's peak so far this season has been longer and better than Illinois. But let's start at that quarterback position for the because for the first time in a long time, David, I feel like Illinois might have an advantage at that position. Not that not that Peters can't outplay Peters. I think that's possible. I'm on your side about it. But, Iowa fans won't agree with me. I'm on your side but, about it. But I mean, Peters has been inconsistent, but he's come off his best game. He had a terrible game against Wisconsin, which is a similar team to Iowa. But I do go into the game feeling a little bit more confident than Peters, and that's just mm-hmm. that's just a rarity for Illinois to actually go into a game maybe thinking it's it's got the advantage at quarterback. Yeah, Petrus has been the surprise of the season for me. Look, I didn't expect him to be a world beater by any means, but based on everything I had heard and people I talked to and watching, and again, I know it's high school film, but going back to this high school film, evaluating him, talking to people, I don't, again, I had pretty decent expectations for him. I thought he'd be a middle-of-the-road Big Ten quarterback, maybe make that second-year leap next year. Because, again, when you're going into a season, you're not the quarterback one. You don't get spring practice. You don't get summer ball. I, I get that. But the thing is, there's been no progression right now week over week with Spencer Petras. And I think that's the thing that's worried the most for me. But with that being said, Iowa's been all in on Spencer. And again, with how inexperienced that room is, they have a redshirt freshman quarterback and a true freshman quarterback behind them who really haven't played. I understand why they're all in on him. I'm not saying that's the wrong decision to make, but Spencer gets in this habit of locking in on a receiver, does not go through his progressions. He escapes the pocket at times when he just, the pocket hasn't collapsed. The Iowa offensive line is playing its best football in a half, in a half decade, at least, I think, even though they had worfs last year, that interior offensive line is so much better. And there's a run game to support what Iowa is doing. They have 16 rushing touchdowns on the year second in the Big Ten. As you mentioned, I think Brandon Peters is number one. His touch, the touch on the downfield passes is much better than Spencer Petras. Spencer Petras is four of 23 passing the ball 20 yards or more this season. And you look at Iowa's receivers, I don't think it's indictment on the receivers. Yeah, no, there's been a couple drop balls, but Iowa's receivers are the best in the Kirk Ferentz era. And I said that going into the season as well. I mean, I can't imagine how, you know, might frustrate the receivers probably are. I think it'd be Mir Smith, Marset, Brandon Smith, who I think is getting criminally undervalued as far as an NFL prospect. I mean, you're talking about 6'3, 220 pound expert run blocker, one on one freak. I mean, red zone machine and athletic catches all over the field. But as you mentioned, I, I hate going in the terms of I would take this guy over this guy because I don't know if Peters could run Illinois' offense. I don't think right. Spencer Petrus could run Illinois' offense. In fact, I wouldn't trust Spencer Petrus with any RPOs <laughs> at all. Uh, 
But as you mentioned, I, I, I think Peters has more touch and you got a guy like Josh Madorbede. I pronounced that right. Yeah. Correct. You got it. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> you know, you got a big body like him going downfield. Uh, I mean, there are some big downfield threats for, for Illinois. And I think they have more touch and there's more potential and big play explosive plays downfield. And I think back to specifically two years ago, Jeremy, I mean, there was explosive plays all over the field, obviously. Iowa's not going to complete those downfield passes to Spencer Petrus. If they do, it's going to be the first. If they go for a 40-plus yard, it'll be the first one all season I've seen complete. Yeah, and Peters um, has just above a 50% completion rate as a Big Ten starter at Illinois. So I I don't want to make him out to be a world beater. But I I do think we saw uh, last week just what he can do, which is give balance Mm -hmm. to the Illinois offense, which – like Iowa, has a very good rushing attack. Uh, two of the best rushing attacks in, in the Big Ten. And it's weird for a lot of people to think of Illinois as this physical, good rushing football team, but Rod Smith has brought that. They have an offensive line that, like Iowa, is very good on the interior. Uh, and they got a couple mm-hmm. NFL draft prospects, Kendrick Green uh, being one of them, who Iowa recruited very heavily um, as a defensive lineman, but has, has converted offensive line and, and probably could be an NFL draft pick next year. Um, yep. So, yeah, they're, they're similar in that regard and that these are two physical football teams that do it a little bit differently um you know illinois more of a spread scheme or you know zone read option iowa this kind of traditional offense and illinois really struggled to uh cover their tight ends and not just fant and hawkinson but sam laporta had a good uh game last year um, so that'll be interesting to watch but they're kind of two similar offenses that want to control the ball here yeah, no, and I agree with you on that, too. And I think the thing with Iowa, again, the the way they've run the ball this season has just been so much better. And, again, I'm going to go back to Tyler Linderbaum, I think, is the best center in college football. And it's crazy to me considering he just started playing center his true freshman year. They switched him during bowl prep from defensive tackle to center. And what he's done at that position, I believe he's number one on pro football focus. And then they have guys like Cody Ince. They have Alaric Jackson back for a fifth year. Mark Kallenberger. They got Coy Cronk, the Indiana graduate transfer, but he's been hurt the past three weeks, and they've still somehow found a way to get together. And I, I think I wrote this in our Know the Foe or Through the Eyes of the Enemy or whatever we call yeah. it. I, I, I've been high on Tyler Goodson since he got to campus. You I think been. Tyler Goodson yeah. is the best running back Iowa's had since Akram Wadley. I think his ceiling is higher than Akram Wadley's. I think he's got a little bit edge as far as speed-wise. And last week I saw something out of Goodson that I had, I was kind of waiting for. He always looks for the big home run plays and Illinois did a great job. If I remember correctly, stopping him last year, but last week against Nebraska, he got stuffed for 30, I think there were 35 yards in the first half. He kept going for the home run plays, but he added 15 pounds in the off season muscle. He's much bigger, about two Oh five now. He started going up the middle for the five or six yard carries instead of going around and trying to dance around everybody. And Illinois, again, to their credit, did a great job last year of sniffing out when he wanted to do that. But Tyler Goodson, just his speed, strength, and natural elusiveness. I mean, that next week they played Nebraska and he had a bunch of just highlight real worthy plays. And I think if Iowa continues to want to run the zone scheme, which is kind of outdated, I think in college football, I mean, you look around the top play, you know, top running places like Wisconsin goes gap. The RPO is very popular. Iowa still hasn't done that. You need a a running back that's elusive enough, that is fast enough and, uh, and just an offensive line and a dedicated perimeter based blocking scheme to really make the zone work. And I think this is the first time since Tim Paulson got to Iowa in 2016, 2017, excuse me, 
that it's really worked. And I think Goodson's the type of back that gets it to work. And Makai Sargent, he took he, he was a starter. Goodson took him over, and he's playing some of his best football of his career despite having limited opportunities. 6.2 yards per carry, seven rushing touchdowns, much more of a power back, not as explosive. But I think that one-two punch – along with that retool offensive line and the, and again, Brandon Smith as a wide receiver blocker might be the best running blocking wide receiver in the conference. Yeah. And uh, from, from Illinois perspective, they kind of run that zone scheme as well. And, and they have mm-hmm. two good backs. I, I think these are two good groups of running backs, two good groups of offensive lines. And that's why I think quarterback play is going to be so important. But for, for Iowa yep. fans, uh, Chase Brown is a Western Michigan transfer that started to take over the number one job and, and be the top option. Great burst. Um, great power. He usually rarely goes down on first contact. So um, he's a, he's a tough guy. Um, sometimes isn't the most patient, which is important in the zone in zone blocking schemes. But yep. he's had some big runs here recently, and he's had a couple hundred yard days. Mike Epstein, who feels like he's been here forever and is still just a redshirt freshman, finally healthy. Uh, I remember him playing at uh, Iowa in 2017. Uh, and having a pretty good performance before he went down with a season-ending injury, yeah, I think, in that yep. game. Uh, but he's just a good overall back. He just doesn't make a lot of mistakes, good blocker, uh, good burst, but not the elite burst, uh, can move, can has some size to him where he can carry some people, but uh, just a good overall back. So that's going to be a good rushing performance, I think, for both these teams. Uh, but uh, I think the one thing is, is – Iowa's run defense obviously is a lot better than Illinois' run defense uh, at this point. So um, that's where I feel like Iowa has the edge. Like last year, David, I, I thought Illinois lost 19-10, to 10, but I thought it was one of the most encouraging games of the season for them Yeah, because they won the trenches. They had 192 rushing yards against Epinesa and this great Iowa defensive front. And they limited Goodson and that great offensive line to 79 rushing yards, I believe. And mm-hmm. you watch some of the film and guys like Kendrick Green were pancaking Epinesa. And it's like, wow, we haven't seen that from Illinois in a really long time. It's just Peters committed three turnovers and Illinois lost the turnover battle. And, and that was the game. So I'm looking forward to that again to see if Illinois can keep that up. Uh, I don't think the defensive line is going to be able to do it, but I think the offensive line can, can compete and, and uh, get, win some battles against Iowa. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yeah, it will be interesting. Sean Bach, you know, my contributor as well. We were talking about this on our podcast earlier. And to go back and even to compare the last year Iowa D-line to this one, they're two totally different defensive lines from this standpoint. I, you know, Iowa feels good about having Zach Van Balkenberg, who is the D2 Hillsdale College transfer, take, took over Epinesa, has four fumble recoveries, had a three-sack performance against Minnesota. And they have Chauncey Golston. So if you talk about a guy everyone feels like has been in the Big Ten forever, Chauncey Golston's probably the other guy. But Iowa's strength last year on the D-line was at their edges. Iowa's strength in their D-line this year is without a doubt in the middle with Jack Heflin, the Northern Illinois transfer as well. He he didn't play much last week. He had a cold. He, it was not COVID. It was a cold. He's 100% ready to go playing against his home state team. And Davion Nixon, as I mentioned, who's a big-time leader in, in sacks and tackles for loss. And 
His upbringing, his story to get to Iowa is incredible too. I'll, I'll, I'll shoot you that link later. It's too long to explain, but it's very rare that Kirk Ferentz actually sticks with a guy like him in terms of the recruiting process and being patient to get him on campus and actually for him to play. But yeah, to go back to your point about the, the, the trenches matchups, I'm very interested to see what Phil Parker crafts up here along with Kelvin Bell and Jay Neiman, the defensive line, about how often they're going to blitz Brandon Peters and if how much they're really going to risk that because you look at last week's game against Nebraska, I believe they completed 21 and 25 passes. They weren't blitzing at all because they were so concerned about Martinez and Luke McCaffrey. And running quarterbacks have typically hurt Iowa. Brandon Peters, I think, had a couple big runs last year against yeah. Iowa as well. So Iowa really didn't blitz. They had a quarterback spy. But I think Iowa's defense at their best is when they take Dane Belton at that cash position and they send him on a blitz or two. Maybe Nick Neiman, who's second in the Big Ten in tackles, send him up there. And a guy to keep an eye on, Jack Campbell, who missed the first three weeks due to mono. He's going to be one of the Big Ten's best linebackers over the next three years. I'm telling you, keep an eye on him. He's, he's tremendous. But with Illinois' scheme and their strengths – I still think they can hurt Iowa downfield. If Peters can have that touch, that is a big thing. The two things I've seen hurt Iowa this year are those 45, 50-yard passes and man-on-man coverage and the quarterback runs. So if Iowa does not pick their blitzes smart or they give Peters all day long in the pocket – I'm really interested to see how this game goes. Well, the the other interesting, and Iowa fans probably know this because Peters, I think, led Illinois with in rushing last year at Iowa. I think he had 76 mm-hmm. rushing yards. Uh, he looks like the prototypical Iowa quarterback, right? But he can move. Uh, he's got yeah. 330 rushing yards, I believe, over his last four games. Um, so he he can really make you pay, and, and that's what gives them that balance and uh, can open up some things for for the other offensive pieces. Uh, now we've only seen it for really one game this year. I'll, I'll say that. But, um, you know, the last four games, he has had that rushing ability. So both these defenses are top six, I believe, in takeaways per game, right? Um, I believe that's correct. Yeah. yeah. So Iowa's averaging three per game. Illinois is averaging 2.8 per game. Illinois is eight over the last 80 minutes of football. That's what Lovey Smith does. That's what Kirk Ferentz's defenses have done. Um, what has made them so successful uh, at that, David? Because we know Lovey Ball, we know that's what they do. Uh, but yeah. they're they're also able to stop you, you know, down to down where Illinois really struggled to that. Illinois is really more takeaway reliant than Iowa looks. And I'll say this: I love watching Illinois defense. They're honestly one of my favorite defenses in the country to watch because the way Jake Hansen plays and the way those guys freaking hit. I mean, they are so fun to watch. As far as Iowa, I think it's a full testament to Phil Parker. I think it's the way that he's been able to turn the secondary into just an art and the way he steadies angles. And Because you look at guys who made the league in defensive backs of the year from Iowa, they've won three of the past six. Think of Desmond King, think of Josh Jackson, think of Amani Hooker, you think of Geno Stone. These were not at all overly athletic guys who had a bunch of offers coming out of high school. It's their dedication to the film room. It's the fact that Phil Parker and the way he he just the way he works out angles and the way he turns it into a science. Like when he's recruiting defensive backs, he says, "Okay, how far is it from sideline to sideline?" He asks them all these questions about the field and all in all these just numbers, and that's how he differentiates about who he wants to recruit and who he doesn't want to recruit. So I think combined with the, the caliber of guys they recruit, combined with his coaching ability, I think has made the difference in the world. I mean. Last game was the first time in 12 games they did not get an interception. And I still think you could argue that 
the forced fumble at the end on Martinez was actually an interception because I thought his arm was going forward, but Zach Van Valkenburg dove and, mm-hmm. and caught it. And I think since the start of the 2017 season, Iowa has 64 interceptions, which I believe, believe leads the nation. Uh, so, I mean, they just have a bunch of guys that just put in a lot of time in the film room. Uh, they don't do a lot of man-on-man coverage. They do a lot of zone. They get a good blitz in there every once in a while, solid, reliable linebackers, and they get a defensive lineman who can create some havoc. And this year it's, it's Davion Nixon. Yeah, I think, you know, sometimes there's always the, the conversation with Illinois fans is, is cover two outdated, and I go, well, watch Iowa, um, because they do a lot of similar things in, in their coverage. Yep. I think they're a little bit more aggressive with their blitzing, uh, but they've also had just had better defensive linemen. I think that's the key to it all, is you got to be able to create disruption up front. Obviously, yep. Epinesa was able to do that. They've had a strong group of defensive linemen here the last couple of years, and Nixon is, is the latest in that, right? So, um, Illinois, that's where their weakness probably is, is up front. Roderick Perry, a South Carolina State transfer, is has been very disruptive. Owen Carney leads the Big Ten in sacks, which is a surprise because he's been more of a solid player um, than a yeah. great player. Um, so those two guys have stepped up, but they're they're pretty young and unproven up front. But you, you mentioned Jake Hansen. Illinois has 41 takeaways the last two years. He's been involved in 16 of them. Um, he just peanut punch. People who watch Peanut Tillman, he's he's mastered that thing. A nine force. He's fumbles. the uh, NCAA leader in forced fumbles, right? Career active leader. Yeah, uh, I mean he's got nine over his last 15 games, I, I believe, um, and he's got three picks and four fumble recoveries, I believe, during that time. Kalon Tolson, a linebacker from Florida, has really started to step up. He's he's had two forced fumbles the last couple of weeks, and uh, you know they've had a lot of interceptions uh, the last couple of weeks. So. Um, um, it is a team that that can turn the game in a hurry with those, and they did it against Nebraska. Uh, I just think Iowa's a little bit more sound up front and, and disruptive up front. So, uh, Also in this game, I can't overlook this, two of the best specialists in the country. You got Keith Duncan, kicker at Iowa, who uh, maybe is the best in the country, and, and punter Blake Hayes, man, for Illinois. We got, uh, yep. for your special team savants, we got a, we got a great battle there. Here's the thing. If you need to go back and watch uh, – the Rutgers Iowa game, I think it was last year. It was Michael Sleep Dalton and him going back and forth. And I can't remember the punter's name for Rutgers, and it's killing me because I put together a whole Heisman campaign for him about how magnificent he was. He had four punts inside the five yard line that game, three of them were within the two yard line. And Blake Hayes is tremendous as well. Also, he is the greatest juker in the entire world in the history of punters. But that, that the quote unquote fake pun he had against Nebraska. I'll say this. I would sign up for a 60-minute contest between Blake Hayes and Torrey Taylor because Torrey Taylor has been phenomenal for Iowa. 23-year-old true freshman from, from Australia who, by the way, had never seen an American football stadium or played in an American football game until Iowa's first game at Purdue, it's, and now I believe he leads the nation in net punting. It's it's the same story with Blake Hayes. It's an, it's a, this Australian punter infusion is is amazing. Blake had never been to a football game, American football game, yep. before he played in one. Um, you know, so he's still learning like parts of the game. Like um, he he was thinking about punting that ball after he crossed the line of scrimmage. He didn't under, <laughs> quite understand. He's three years into this thing, but they got legs. I love the again. I love the juke in the air. I oh. mean, the, the two jukes <laughs> got me. I was I, like, Whoa. oh, I I would have paid pay per view to see Lovey Smith on that sideline. Just give me the whole angle of him through the play on one side of the screen and then the other side of the screen. Just Hayes running. Okay, David, I got a big question for you. Uh, Iowa's yeah. number 19 in the country, one of the few Big Ten teams that could play nine games. <laughs> so good for Iowa. Um, we'll see if they can make it there. 
But they lost their first two games by what, five points, and they've been pretty dominant the last four weeks. How good is Iowa? I think Iowa's as good as Spencer Petrus can take them. I think every other asset and every other facet of the team's proven that they can be – I don't want to put like a ceiling on it, like a top 10, top 15. I still think there are other areas where – Again, they're not maybe among the most talented teams, but they're the most efficient teams. At the end of the day, efficiency wins overall. And I think that's why Iowa's been so consistent throughout Kirk Ferentz's tenure. I think the Northwestern game haunts people more than the Purdue game because that Northwestern game is the game that Iowa, they flat out should have won. But again, in typical Pat Fitzgerald fashion, they love the ugly games. They want you to turn away from the screen. Even as a neutral football fan, you don't want to watch them. They find a way to win, which is ultimately the most important thing in the world. I think Iowa is probably one of the best 15 teams in the country, but they aren't in the top 14. <laughs> I mean, with, with, with the way the passing offense is and with the way Spencer Petras has shown that this season, what he brings to the table, he can be much better next year. I can't say they're definitively better than what they're ranked simply because I cannot overlook the Spencer Petras facet and the factor of that and I, again i think he brings some good t- intangibles to the table i think he's a perfect leader and he won- he's a good game manager understands x's and o's the, uh, there's a lot of big problems with him but i'll start with this once he gets out of the scripted plays the first 15 to 20 plays he has no ability to improvise and no ability to stay poised and confident he started out against nebraska eight of 11 for 95 yards and a touchdown it was all downhill after that and that's been definitely the common trend over the past month after that first quarter things just sort of go downhill and Iowa has to run the football. So I think they have the potential to be a very, very good team, but the most important position in the field's quarterback, they don't have the quarterback that could take them to the next level. And the, the record this year definitely reflects that. It's for Iowa fans. I wish I could give you more insight. I still have no idea what this Illinois team is because we've only seen them full strength for two weeks. Right, I was one say with four quarterbacks and five. <laughs> like I still don't know. Like you know, before the season, I was higher on this Illinois team than than most people, and I don't think it was homerism. I think it's because their talent level is better, their experience, and they have mm-hmm. a quarterback who can play. Um, I had questions about their defense, but I think their offense would take a big step forward. We didn't see it against Wisconsin. It was an embarrassing loss uh, on the Friday night season opener for the Big Ten. But we saw it last week against Nebraska. I know Nebraska is not great. You know that. But that's still a Nebraska team that Illinois was double-digit road dogs to, and they demolished them. It wasn't even close. Mm-hmm. I thought the score of 41-123 wasn't as close as the game actually was. Um, so it I, wasn't. I, I'm still, I, I, watched that, I watched that game. I, I yeah. definitely agree with that, too. And I'll say this. I'll say Epstein, he's got a lot. He's got some vision. The way yeah. he maneuvered through the middle and then just cut to the outside, it was so smooth. And I – I, yeah, I think he's a very talented runner, but like you said, I can't. My jaw dropped on screen. I don't know if you saw it when you say he's a retro freshman because I thought he's already been there about five years already. <laughs> yeah, Richard Jr. But um, no, he's a. Uh, it's it's um. I don't know with this Illinois team. I, I could I could see David. I don't see a sixty three nothing loss again, but I could see Iowa winning this game thirty one to fourteen. Sure, I, I can see. I can also see Illinois pulling off an upset because I think there are a couple Brandon Peters turnovers away from pulling off the upset last year. So if, if we see the team we saw against Nebraska uh, and we see the Iowa team we saw against Nebraska, I think we got a heck of a game, but I, I just, I don't know what to expect out of this Illinois team just because we have such a small sample size of what they actually are. 
Yeah, and I, you know, I agree with you. I've watched a lot of Big Ten play this year. I mean, obviously, just with the way the scheduling's worked out, I've been able to, especially the Friday games and all that. I wish I got to see them more with Brandon Peters, and I think that's where my biggest question mark lies: is what's their potential when they have their quarterback? What's the potential when everything's flowing? Um, I think you're right. I think there is a lot more talent on this Illinois team. I didn't pick them last. Actually, I picked I picked Northwestern last, but. <laughs> I want to preface that comment by saying they had the worst power five offense I've ever seen in my life last year. And I was not about to pick them to finish third or fourth after what I saw last year. I just wasn't, but I'm in the same boat as you. I could see this being a heck of a ball game. If Iowa, if that Iowa team from last week turns up, I could see Iowa winning by double digits. Yeah. Uh, And I think that's the biggest question mark. The only stat that I don't want to say gives me comfort with my final prediction is Iowa has not allowed any opponent to score 25 or more points in the last 20 games. And if you go to 30 points, I think that's over three years, that's three amazing. and a half years or so. That's amazing. I mean, that's, that just gives you such a great chance to win. That, I mean, that's why Iowa has the record it does under Kirk Ferentz. Especially in the past five years. I think heading into this season, they won 47 games in five years, which was the, it's the most in school history, even with Hay and Fry and all those Rose Bowl teams that he had and all those, you know, pretty, really, really good football teams. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty amazing. Um, I do think I, I, it will learn a lot about Illinois and if Illinois can get to three and three, um, that's a, that's a huge step forward for this program. I mean, they haven't beaten Iowa since 2008. There was a six year layoff there, uh, but it's been six straight losses uh, for to Illinois to Iowa. And I think we saw a step forward last year. So obviously for Illinois, I think this would be a monster win. And while I don't think Lovey Smith is going anywhere, um, this would solidify it. If you can, if you can win a game like this, even if you lose to mm-hmm. Northwestern next week, next week, um, you would have the COVID excuse. If you, if you win three games in a row, you'd sit there and say, we'd be a much better team if, if we didn't have Brandon Peters out for two games. What's this one mean for Iowa, David? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a big question mark. I think right now, I think Iowa fans are still holding out hope that they can play Ohio State in Champions Week, but I think you and I both know they're going to definitely change the rules to get Ohio State the Big Ten Championship. Surprise, surprise to everyone uh, <laughs> that that's going to happen, but they need a team to play off. I think that, and I'll say this too, Iowa's never beaten Illinois seven straight times. So this would be a first time ever if that if that happens. Didn't it shock you that for, Illinois still has a series lead here? I Yeah, I, I wrote about that earlier, and it kind of I did a, a double take on that. But there, there were two decades of Iowa football right. that were pathetic is probably an in, in understatement. Uh, but I think for Iowa, I think it just – continues to show they're going down the right path. Cause as I said, after they fell to Owen two, that the whole season could have absolutely collapsed. And I would have said this to you. And I said this on our podcast, maybe it was too bold of me to say, I said, if Iowa had fallen to Owen three, I said, this is Kurt Ferentz's last year. Hmm. I think the team would have gave up. I don't think they'd be where they are now. And I think the fact that they came, they've come back out and put together four, okay. Three of four outstanding performances in all three phases. And then one where they just found a way to grind it out in typical Iowa fashion where they don't shoot themselves in the foot. They make one more play and you, they find a way to win. I think it's just that the momentum's keeping building. And I hate relating football to what happened during the summer. I mean, I mean it's two totally different issues. Right. I mean, obviously one's much more serious than the other. But what I'm saying is they're going down the right path in terms of rebuilding the football program from an on-field standpoint. Because as good as they've been the past five years, after everything that happened this summer, they still have to rebuild the on-field camaraderie, and there still has to be a lot of work to be done both on and off the field. And I think winning games, 
it, it, we say in sports all the time, Jeremy, winning solves everything. Yep. If Iowa continues to win, I think that's just definitely going to help Iowa continue to establish that new foundation uh, that they're hoping to establish after everything that transpired during the summer. Yeah, these are obviously very two different programs, right, uh, with where they're at. But uh, it is similar treks, it seems like, of, of this season, of where they're, they're, they are, how they feel going into this one. And uh, I think it makes for an intriguing game that I know not a lot of people are looking at nationally, but uh, I think in, in the Big Ten West where you got so many teams – uh, jumbled together, uh, I think it's a pretty huge game for Illinois and, and for Iowa can further establish itself in this pecking order uh, of the Big Ten West. Well, David Eichel, any final thoughts on Illinois-Iowa? Uh, I do have to say I'm really upset at the Big Ten for scheduling only one Illinois-Iowa basketball game. That's pathetic. I went on a giant rant about that on my podcast. I tweeted up a storm about it. I'll tell you what, January 29th is going to be a hell of a day, to say the least, and it might honestly decide the Big Ten. And Man, I just want Kofi, Luca. I want Joe. I I want Demonte Williams and Connor McCaffrey to guard each other for all forty minutes. Those I, I, those I are want that's that's the, heavy, the smoke. That's the heavyweight fight. I know Kofi and Garza gets it, but Demonte <laughs> McCaffrey, man, those those are two guys I want to see square off. Like, oh, I'll tell you. Here's the thing to it. I know Connor gets a bad rep from outside people. Connor's a fantastic kid, but his father he definitely reflects. They are both highly competitive fiery dudes and i'll say this patrick mccaffrey same exact way but he's the nicest kid off the floor but it wouldn't surprise me if you went forehead to forehead with somebody as well well and it's interesting because uh you know illinois fans not big fans of fran but fran and brad are cut from the same cloth right <laughs> oh 100 i mean they're both pretty similar coaches all right man well enjoy the game and uh we'll see what happens and we'll have to do this again during basketball season man appreciate it